while it might seem premature to talk about a team whose roster isn't even announced at this point, not even a player, there's still value in the exercise and if the league roster that we have for them at this point actually ends up being the final roster, then we have a solid piece of analysis that has some lasting power. If not, it was an, a fun exercise and for the time being it had value in that. As such, I want to talk today about the Toronto Defiant and the first thing we should be talking about is the things that we do know. And they are arguably the most important part of the entire team building process. Because every team starts with a staff. Now, from top to bottom, we start with head coach Bishop. Bishop, of course, known as the head coach of London Spitfire, also recently announced that he didn't step back from a position or was indeed fired, but had to step back because of personal reasons, was before that a coach for Cloud9, and before that was a player on KDP. Now, he has a long history in Overwatch, and his record is very hard to judge as it is for the vast majority of coaches in the Overwatch League and I personally tend to not judge coaches by how they appear on social media but by, by their achievements and there are very few who've been either around or employed long enough and by enough teams to really have some value in the data of their achievements. So I don't know how good Bishop is at this point, um, but my gut feeling tells me that he's one of the better coaches in the league. So then we go to Baroy. Okay, so I guess I should have made that caveat. Of course, if you followed just this channel, you might have seen my video about Winston's lab, who Baroy is basically the brain of. Um, I'm also a friend of his, or he's a friend of mine, and I will add the caveat that I actually don't have any inside information that could at all be disclosed here. It's actually, Baroy is one of the most tight-lipped people, and while on the wayside people have told me that they worked with Baroy, it's actually quite the case that I find out about Baroy working with Overwatch League teams in the past by the Overwatch League team staff themselves, not by Baroy. He's incredibly tight-lipped in that regard. So if you weren't expecting any leaked inside info in this video, I have to upset you at this point. This is not go going to happen. But let's talk about Baroy. So Baroy, once again, the brain behind Winston's lab, is someone that has a mind and also a an ability to see patterns in the data and i think there as i will hopefully make a case for i sort of see a stamp of his thinking in this team um, what i did have access to and what i 
I'm fortunate enough to have had access to is the brilliant mind behind him. And I understand what he values in Overwatch and what he has empirical evidence for, which basically causes teams to be successful. I think I see some patterns here that we have talked about without bringing the players ever into the conversation. So Baroy, certainly a big asset, actually quite surprised that a team was able to lock him down. Then we have Bubbly, former player of Uncia, then turned coach. And I think officially his, his uh, role is performance coach, if I read that correctly in the press release. While Don, um, the former uh, strategical coach of Valiant, I believe, or is he might be the strategical coach now, um, they have some history and Overwatch have been coaching for a while, so there's certainly some experience going into it. Overall, you would probably have to say this is an, just by the names, an average coaching staff that has huge potential based on what a money ball approach could bring and based on the sort of added veteran status of all of these but Baroy in terms of actually being on teams. Okay, so now we get to the a little bit more speculative part and we're going to talk about players who at this point are not at all announced but they have been leaked and I believe the leak source was Michael, if I'm being correct, or it might have been a leak source by uh, the Korean scene. But um, yeah, this, this is basically from the rumored threat of the Overwatch League 2019. And it's a threat by Siegel number one fanboy, if you want to look it up on, on our competitive Overwatch. And basically, the list of players is Yakpung, Envy, Ivy, Stellar, Asher, Neko, and Aid. This is as far as we know right now. And we know that Overwatch League teams need eight players, so we are missing one name here. So keep that in mind when evaluating that roster. So let's go from best to worst, shall we? So. I don't know about best or worst in this case, but to me, eight formerly Rocks Orcas and GGEA, I actually don't have much things to say to him. I, of course, it's always hard to judge main supports based on the fact that a lot of their value comes from their intangibility or their intangibles rather. So. Yeah, it's actually quite hard to say how impactful he will be in the team. From the stats I was looking at, um, well, they weren't really saying much at all. And one thing I guess that can be noted here is that he's already 24 years old. And that might be a significant part of uh, the inner team hierarchy. Because, of course, Koreans... Um, consider older people people of respect and with age comes a certain 
authority over your younger peers. So keep that in mind when building this roster. I believe he is the second player who's already 24. The other is Asher, if I'm, yes. Okay, so the next one on the list would be Stella. Of course, formerly of O2 Ardient. By the way, that is a theme in this team. Three players are formerly of O2 Ardient. Of course, the team that got to the finals sort of in an upset win over Element Mystic in Contenders Korea Season 1, but then had a not so convincing performance in Contenders Season 2. One has to probably say that they did overperform based on results in Contenders Season 1, but it's still notable as an achievement. And so let's talk about Stella as a player. He seems to have a solid hit scan hero pool, especially these sort of annoying types as in Sombra and Tracer. He doesn't seem to be a particularly aggressive player, more like pretty passive. And generally, I guess if he has the decision to make between getting a trade kill or getting out and getting another opportunity, even though empirically both of those could lead to success, he will probably take the safer option uh, most of the time. It's also reflected in his contender stats. So in that regard, keep in mind, I would classify him as a passive player, which will be important later on in this video. The next one is, as I already said, Asher, a, an older player, formerly of the LA Gladiators, one of the veterans of this team, obviously has played Overwatch Season 1. And Asher, for me, was one of the most improved players of Overwatch League Season 1, simply because his baseline of what we could expect or did see from him, especially in Contenders, uh, sorry, in Apex Season 3, was really bad. You could argue, just based on stats, he was actually the worst DPS uh, playing in Contenders, uh, sorry, in Apex Season 3, and then climbed up and later on became a sort of serviceable uh, tracer for a while until Shofo was just undeniable as a second DPS in that position um, and Hydration of course played a different role so not much space anymore for Asher and I still think that he's fairly serviceable sort of also not the most aggressive player so they have a pretty Passive DPS uh, tracer, as in hit scan line, in that regard. Now, okay, so we have Stellar, Asher, and Aid. Who else? Okay, so let's talk about Yakpun then. Yakpun is formerly of O2 Blast, then switched to O2 Ardient, and is one of the younger players on the team. He will only turn 18 I think sometime before the Overwatch League starts and he is certainly question mark on this team but he looks to have at least some potential so his Winston was actually pretty 
solid and if I recall correctly his stats were also pretty good on Winston at least and we didn't see much else from him. If I was to describe his playstyle though it is really aggressive so we're talking almost a Fissure-esque style in which he might get a lot of resources and this again once once again would make sense if you have passive DPS players that you would have the DPS players pulling more back and the Tiang players being sort of more like the playmakers and uh, taking the engagements also target calling and whatnot so that seems to be the idea here I think I might have spotted a pattern here because one thing I talked to with Baroy and I also uh, elaborated on that in the Winston's Lab video if you haven't seen it go look it up on this channel is that Baroy found out that generally speaking teams with higher PTK shares meaning percentage of kills so the percentage of kill total kills a player gets from his team if the PTK share on the tanks and supports is relatively higher than other teams than those teams with high PTK shares on their DPS that simply means that they are more likely to be a championship winning team and also place highly so what that means is basically through all the contenders and apex season almost exclusively the top teams with few exceptions such as KDP during the Rascal and Birdring era had were carried by in, in terms of, if you want to say high PTK share is carrying we could argue the language there um, by their tank lines of course Lunatic High comes to mind and they're also the support line of course carried uh, in that regard um, and uh, well GC Busan also was sort of not exactly like that but there is some GC Busan aspect later on in here that I want to also talk about so Yakpong sort of a question mark I personally could see him have potential then next up Envy of course formerly of Valiant and if I recall correctly he had been let go because of uh, inter-team differences and then joined Meta Bellum. And while he was playing on Valiant a lot of Overwatch League players were saying that Envy was one of the best divas in the league and that it was actually really annoying to play against him. Now what is very interesting about Envy's development as a player is that in the Overwatch League he played extremely aggressive and you could argue and I had this conversation for instance just now before recording of this video with Benchmob that he noticed or he thinks that Fate and Envy were actually the best dive frontline in the league in stage one I tend to agree with that their improvement also during the time because if you remember back to contender season zero 
they were actually really not that good, but came into the Overwatch League and had a tremendous improvement and suddenly were monsters. We certainly also thought of Fate and Envy as these monsters. So with Envy coming in, you got a player that has Overwatch League experience. You got a player that might have some behavioral issues and you hope that you can brush that over. But you also have a player who can play very aggressively. And we also have to make have to make the caveat here. He also didn't play well passively in contenders. So Metabellum, he had to play much more passively than he did on the Valiant. And he wasn't looking that in tune with that playstyle. Which is furthermore towards my point that I believe this team wants to be aggressive based on the type of framework I have in mind or I believe that Broy believes I guess and that then obviously also is adopted by the rest of the coaching staff. Thing about Envy was honestly his gravitons in contenders were really not that convincing it almost felt like he was unaware of the fight state so he would throw out gravitons when they really weren't dragging out any ultimates from the opponent team or really weren't going to win fights it was often just a waste that might also be a communication issue of course by the rest of the team we will find out about this but i think envy as an aggressive off tank has a lot of potential that he might come back to the top in that regard and also we would probably need to meta for this to be relevant okay this will surprise some because i i said i would go from best to worst player well the second best player on this team to me is neko now it might not be surprising that i think that neko is this good this is probably surprising that i think ivy is better but we'll come to that so Neko, of course, currently still officially with the Boston Uprising. Once again, we don't know what is going to happen in that regard. And while he was playing for the Uprising and was the starter for them, he was not only one of the most underrated players, he also had pretty good PTK share and was one of the engines fueling Boston. Uh, in that part of the season, but he also was probably a top three flex support, which would go Jonak, Bedosin, Neko. That was my personal top three, that, which I've mentioned many times before in the past. He is a very good Zen. He has a, if I remember correctly, a solid, if not good, Ana. Um, and his playstyle, well, I would describe it as sort of balance, but at times he can go for a play. And that once again would sort of fit into that PTK share supports should carry while the DPS sort of facilitate the rest of the game, but don't necessarily frag as much. The last player he is or that we know of or that we don't even know but speculate is going to be on the team is ivy now i've heard a lot of good stuff about ivy and also re-watching some of the 
um, our two games, I have to say, this guy might really be the real deal. So he has a very good Genji, Farah and Junkrat. Well, you will say, of course, he is their project ad player. He better have that, yes. But he also has a Sombra and a Tracer. And he's super flexible in that regard and might just be the tool that you need in order to sort of make this team meta immune in some sense. Well, I think that this team still wants maybe one aggressive DPS and I'm I'm sure Ivy can play this on some heroes because it's, this is also one thing to keep in mind that was, for instance, way back when very crazy about Tivik is Tivik could play a lot of heroes, but he could also, within the hero, switch up his playstyle depending on what the situation uh, required. And to this day, not many players know how to play what in which composition. They have one style of playing Junkrat, Farah, and they will do this because it's practice as such. They don't have a feeling for what kind of modes you may have and what, what the situation requires. That Ivy excels at. I will actually say um, a very good analyst, a friend of mine, Dream, you can check him out, Dreamcasts OW on Twitter, um, thinks that this might be the best talent that came out of uh, Contenders uh, this season in terms of Contenders Korea and possibly the entire world. Uh, he thinks that this kid is absolutely nuts. Um, and I tend to agree. Honestly, this looks to be, to, to me, a worthwhile gift from the gods where, because we were sort of promised the coming of Flower and we still don't know where he is, but Ivy might slot right into that demand of like a young god coming in. And I think he could be the crown jewel of the Toronto Defiant. If they can develop this this player and sort of have him flex around uh, the team and facilitate those tanks and these supports, then I think they have a working formula that is based on empirical evidence, or at least that is how I think uh, this team conceives of their strategy. The thing is, I'm probably describing this here in way too simplistic terms. I'm sure they have a more complex understanding of Overwatch than I'm able to communicate here, or I probably have. And they probably have some more complexity behind it. But as a rough outline, I think they're possibly very good frontline. They're sort of aggressive backline. They're rather passive hit scan DPS, but they are very flexible uh, flex DPS makes it so that not only with their innate abilities, but also with the mix of experience and sort of at least rookie Overwatch League players, that it is an interesting concoction of talent that might very well go far. And I also put that together with the coaching staff that they have, and I think they might have what could be either let's say a regular season 
10th to 8th team in the worst of cases and then they could definitely also slot into the uh, playoffs at 6th place maybe directly qualifying or actually getting into the Overwatch League based on one of those play-in tournaments. We will see how this turns out. Again, this is highly speculative because we don't even have a single player announced at this point. But I hope you enjoyed the exercise as much as I did. Thanks for watching.